as these things accumulate, your trust just builds bigger and bigger. And as your trust is building, so is your confidence. And as your confidence is building, and that's, that's going to just play right into whatever challenge you're working on, whether that's going on a solo backpacking trip or starting as an agent. If you, the more you trust yourself, the easier it is to be, I guess, the easier it is to move through the process. And so everything for me comes back to building that trust with myself. And that's why everyone talks about it starts with the internal f- first before the external. If it's not figured out in here, on the inside, in your heart, the external, the process of becoming an agent, getting outside your comfort zone, going traveling, that's not going to work. Hello, and welcome to the Agent Podcast. With your host, that's me, Raymond Schulzheim. Let's dive in. This episode is sponsored by Inspired Title Card. Nationally recognized in 48 states across the U.S., where a portion of each closing goes to charity. Give them a call on your next deal. They'll close anywhere, they're remote. Visit inspired-title.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Agent Podcast. Today I'm here with my buddy Jordan Tarver out of Seattle, Washington. Jordan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So Jordan, normally I would ask why real estate as we cater to real estate professionals, but in your case, it's a little bit different. You are a author and your book, You Deserve This Shit, which is an amazing title. I want to dive right into that. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So why does this book exist? Two reasons. The first reason is I've done several years of tireless creative self-growth myself and have done so much work to discover who I am at my core. And that was kind of like the inspiration of wanting to create something around that because I felt like I had lessons to share. And like the second part is to help the people that are kind of on that same journey looking for guidance. And so it's like twofold of it exists because I did the work, but it also exists because I have like an innate desire and intention to help other people. So that leads into my second question, which is like, what inside of you Like, where did it come from that needed this book, right? Because you don't do something like this just because you're bored. You do something like this for a significant purpose. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've watched your TikToks. I've watched some interviews with you on YouTube. And looking at what you're talking about, like, this is deep shit, for lack of a better term, right? So, Mm -hmm. like, what inside of you needed this book? Well, I think... I mean, one, it, it was a way for me to self-reflect on what I've, I've been through. You know, it was an active way to me really go deep on the experiences and the, the struggles and the, the challenges I've faced and extract more lessons for myself. But I also have understood or just come to understand if I'm going through something or have gone through something in life, 100% someone else is either going through that now or will go through that in the future. And so just knowing that other people have a similar struggle was kind of like the motivation to excavate all this really deep rooted advice and lessons because I'm certain people are struggling the same way I struggled. I love it. Have you ever taken any assessments such as like the Clifton Strengths Finder or anything like that? I've done the VIA Character Institute, I think it's called. 
the character strength profile. It gives you like 24. So there's 24 character strengths in general that are split up into six categories. Got it. And then it ranks your, your, your five top character strengths. Your, I think it's your 13 middle strengths and then your six lesser strengths. And then what it does is it guides you one on how can you incorporate your five top strengths into your daily life, which has an immediate impact on your well-being, your health, your happiness, your satisfaction. But then it also identifies lesser strengths if there are ones that you want to work to improve. And so that's really the not the only assessment I've done, but it's the most recent one I've done. So do you find it accurate with yeah. what you're doing and what your journey has been and how you've been able to develop through and create this book that you've been doing? Yeah, for sure. And it, it's interesting. I've taken this twice now. One, the first time was a handful of years ago. And the second time was just a month ago. I'm working on a new project right now to help people find their purpose. And this will be an ebook and a workbook. And part of that process is understanding your character strengths. And because I'm such a person that likes to teach on personal experience, I didn't want to put this assessment into the, the, the workbook without me actually doing it and understanding how it works and how, see, how I you know, see how this plays a role in my life. So I took it again. And then it's interesting to compare the two and compare my five top strengths, you know, from, let's just call it a two-year period, from two years apart, and to see which ones had been consistent and, like, which things may have fluctuated a little bit. But it was, like, there wasn't much deviation in the the high level of what those five strengths really represented. And I think that at itself is me being just true to my core values throughout life. Like, it should... Once you start to become the best version of yourself and, un- and understand what you value most in life, I feel like your character strength will, in some capacity, stay within the s- same realm, you know? And that's what I experience. I love it. I want to get into a little bit of your, your history. Hmm. What little bit that I know that's out there publicly from between the book and your, you know, YouTube podcasts and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. I want to talk about the backpacking trip to London. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I heard you say was you landed in London and you felt like a switch flipped, Mm -hmm. right? But it's my experience that you can feel like that, but ultimately you have to accept that and make a decision to accept that. So I don't know, can you share like what that experience was for you and how it's impacted what you're doing today? Yeah, of course. Do you mean the entire trip itself or kind of the moment of like realization of like a switch kind of let's start with the moment and then go from there well i think like the (laughs) the easiest part about traveling somewhere overseas is you don't have an option to retreat back to safety or in the boats right yeah so like you know i i I land in london and the only choice is to make the most of the situation there is no oh like i'm I'm feeling worried i feel unconfident like i'm just going to go back home and retreat to my comfort zone but it was not only did I put myself outside my comfort zone, but I put myself in a place where I w- literally wasn't able to return back to it until I came home from the trip. And so it was that switch of like realizing like what opportunity I had at hand and what would happen if I really tried to make the most of the situation instead of kind of going back into my unconfident, self-conscious patterns of behavior and take this as an opportunity to, to push my life forward and, and push myself as an individual forward. And that's really kind of what the whole trip did for me. 
Although maybe in the moment with, I was 21 at the time, in the moment I didn't recognize the power of the trip and what it was going to provide me. But now being 27 and looking back with wiser eyes, I'm able to kind of reflect on that trip in a different way than I had been when I was on the actual trip. But even though I didn't know exactly the power of it while it was happening, that power still existed and it was eventually going to manifest into my reality one way or another. And that's kind of what I realized now being older is how much it has changed for me. So I want to tie this to real estate agents a little bit for all of our mm-hmm. listeners out there. There are a lot of newer agents out there with limiting beliefs, which is where mm-hmm. I think this book is relevant. You deserve this shit, whatever that shit is. But also that there is a lot of newer agents that haven't made the decision to become an agent. You mm-hmm. know, They get into the business, they have this idea of what it's going to be like. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those ideas are, it's like a job, right? You get your license, you show up to a brokerage and they're going to tell you exactly what to do next. And they don't realize they're actually starting a business. So being in a position of empowering yourself to move through limiting beliefs and engage in your life to the point where you can make a decision, I don't know, can you walk us through some of how you develop that mindset and that strength to be able to do that? I think everything in life comes back to how much you trust yourself in general. Not just with one thing, but how much trust you have and faith within yourself to do something unfamiliar outside your comfort zone, whatever you want to call it. And I think building trust actually comes from one, holding promises to yourself and being consistent with the promises. I feel like that every time you, you know, check off a box, that's a vote toward your confidence and your trust. But also doing things outside your comfort zone. Every time you go outside your comfort zone and complete something, that's another check for you. And so as these things accumulate, your trust just builds bigger and bigger. And as your trust is building, so is your confidence. And as your confidence is building, and that's, that's going to just play right into whatever challenge you're working on, whether that's going on a solo backpacking trip or starting as an agent. If you, the more you trust yourself, the easier it is to be, I guess, the easier it is to move through the process. And so everything for me comes back to building that trust with myself. And that's why everyone talks about it starts with the internal f- first before the external. If it's not figured out in here on the inside in your heart, the external, the process of becoming an agent, getting outside your comfort zone, going traveling, that's not going to work. And that's why it always starts within. So it's funny that you mentioned that, right? Because like me, I find myself sometimes when I am not in alignment or Mm -hmm. I'm under duress or stress or whatever the situation is, whether it's with kids, financial, work, health, Mm -hmm. other, that my first instinct because of how I grew up in this fight or flight mode and survival, for lack of a, a better term, that I always want to fix everything with action, mm-hmm. right? But it's unaligned action. It's not inspired action. And I find myself trying to work harder versus smarter and not making good decisions just because I'm trying to do something to move it forward rather than regroup with myself and mm-hmm. say, hey, 
what is the next best logical step from where I actually am? How do you work through that process? Well, I think you make a good point in general. Even though you're taking a step forward, sometimes taking a step forward doesn't mean progress. Yeah. You know, and sometimes taking a step back, regrouping, reflecting is what creates the intentional aligned progress. And I think that's where a lot of people get it mixed up is our society thinks when you rest, you're losing, yeah. right? Yeah. When or you take lazy. a break, yeah, you're, you're falling behind. People are going to get more success because they're working and you're not. But really, it's those moments of rest and reflection and regrouping that create your next wave. But if you never take that time, you know, that wave of progress or inspiration or motivation is either never going to come or it's just going to, you know, shrink the entire time. So you can actually improve or prog progress more by kind of doing what you're saying, regrouping, asking yourself, kind of assessing the situation at hand. And instead of reacting and just doing something to react and respond, you're actually taking the time to ask yourself, what is the best, the genuine best next step for me to take? One of the things that I've tried to do is, this is going to sound ridiculous, but <laughs> pretend I'm a slingshot, mm -hmm. right? Where I need to actually retract back in order I to like propel that. forward. And that's kind of helped me mentally, like be more forgiving or less abrasive with myself when I feel like mm -hmm. I'm struggling. You know, it's like, you know, look, dude, just seriously pull back for a minute, take a deep breath and then yeah. let go. And I'll get further faster if I do that versus trying to climb over the wall or push the wall down, right? Versus yeah. literally being able to fly over the wall. Like that's kind of how I think about it in my head. I love that. I love that analogy. I think it's so true too. I think it's like the perfect way to explain that is just the fact that sometimes in order to go forward, you need to take a couple of steps back, slow down, take that breath, regroup, and then trust oh, yourself yeah. that it's going to work. Because like you said, if you keep pushing forward and like banging your head up against the wall of frustration and feeling stuck, there is no way around or over it. Sometimes the way around is going backwards and finding a new route, you know? Have you read this book, You Squared by Price Pritchett? I haven't. I'll check that out. I'm going to send you a copy. I'll message you. Cool. Thank you. I appreciate that. I buy that. like 20 copies. This book is amazing. It's only like... It looks small. It's small, dude. Like I have, I think it's literally like 36 pages. Yeah, it's like What's, what's the pages. premise of it? The premise is, well, I, it's twofold. One is <laughs> you have the ability to take a quantum leap and that incremental progress is bullshit. Like it's not real. It doesn't have to be that way. It's just what society teachers, parents, whatever, have taught us to think, right? So they've mm. built this box around us mm -hmm. that we've been programmed. And in this instance, mm -hmm. the way the book starts is Price Pritchett talks about, he's sitting at this Millcroft Inn somewhere up north and on the West Coast. And there's a fly, like beating against a window trying to get out when 10 feet behind him is a wide open door. And he's talking about the struggle that this fly is going to die trying to get outside where if he just stopped and turned around and went the other way, 
in the opposite direction, he could fly right out the door. Mm, that's beautiful. And it's the same thing like that we're talking about. I'm not going to read it now because it's like two pages, not that it's long, but right, right. It's the premise is so simple, but like we all do it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like trying to find your, your keys in your wallet when they're lost and you're frazzled, right? Running around scatterbrained, trying to find them when they're literally right there underneath the book on your table mm -hmm. or your counter or whatever. So I always think that's interesting because we spend so much time abusing ourselves versus just stepping back and regrouping. Yeah. And I think like sometimes it may come because people are afraid to change or change direction. And if they've been doing something for so long that has now become a habit of their behavior, going the opposite direction, you know, that feels like they're going in the wrong direction. But as this story says, you know, the, the, the other direction, it might be the direction that is waiting for you to realize that is there. There's another story similar to this from like hundreds of years ago in Africa. I forget what the Cape is called for this specific story, but they were trying to get boats through this area, you know, in the ocean, and they never could get through. It, the boats would always crash, hit rocks, all this stuff. It wasn't until they decided to go a new direction, and instead of going straight kind of across the, the coast, they went out and around, like further out, and they were able to wrap around whatever was kind of blocking that area. And that's just another perfect story of sometimes the way around your blocks is literally around your blocks and not through them. But I feel like we get so hard nosed on like wanting to just drive through it and like fight through the pain and fight the frustration and just push through until like we meet resolve. But, you know, like 90% of the time, that's not the way to go, you know? So that's just another story. Yeah. The next thing I want to get into is your car accident. Mm. That was one hell of a story, man. Like your words that, you know, people should not have walked away from that unharmed. Yeah. That really got to me for a whole bunch of different reasons. But one, I'd like to, you know, talk about what you learned from that. Two, mm -hmm. I'd like to talk about the relationships with all of you involved in that accident and what that did to you as a group. Yeah. The second question is interesting. No one's ever asked that before, but yeah, when, when you're, I was, I believe I was 19 at the time in college down in Orange County, we were coming back from an event and we were in a car, filled car with all my friends, another car of all of our friends was next to us. And then there was a big rig. And what I speculate happened is the big rig switched lanes, which we know it switched lanes. But I think maybe our friend's car was in the blind side and, and then he had to get out of the way and then he clipped us. And immediately we start fishtailing, going like 85 miles per hour, you know, on an Orange County freeway. Luckily it was at night. And I just, it was in that moment where you realize the thing that you thought was never going to happen to you is actually happening right now, you know, a potentially life-threatening car accident. And so we fishtail, fishtail. I, I literally whispered to myself, please don't die three times in a row under my breath because it was that serious. And our car slams on the side. We slide across all five lanes of the freeway. Not sure why there was no cars coming at that moment, which I think is another like chilling thing about the experience because after the fact, there was like a bunch of cars that came. 
And then our buddy's car did two full rolls and landed tire side up. Both cars stopped before hitting the center divider by, you know, five feet. And while in the moment, maybe I didn't realize what was happening to me on like an internal level and how it would affect me. Moving forward, kind of the same thing with my trip, and it seems to be a repeated theme, is I like to reflect on things and, and understand why they happened and, and what was it teaching me because I do believe that everything does have a positive side to it, even if it feels like a negative experience in the moment. So while a, a, a life-threatening car accident could, you know, ridden my life with fear of driving forever, I didn't let it do that to me. I chose to see it as a positive experience and, and extract a lesson that could change my life for the better moving forward. And so this taught me how quickly, you know, I understand that we could die any moment. I already understood that. That's just common knowledge to me. But it's, it hits different when it almost happens. You know, it strikes a different chord in your heart. And I realized how quickly it could all be taken away. And that was one of the moments that really inspired me and part of the reason even why I wrote this book, kind of going back to that question you asked earlier, it inspired me to just go on this like celebration of life. Like I had a second chance and it was my intention to make the most of that chance. And the way to do that was to celebrate my life. And the way I celebrate life is living a meaningful life, prioritizing gratitude and kindness, enjoying every moment with friends and family because you really don't know when the last one's going to be. And then also empowering other people to live a meaningful life of their own. And that's kind of what sent me on this direction of this type of work was I saw how quickly it could be taken away. I wanted to celebrate every moment that I now had gifted back to me. And I also want other help other people do the same thing. And kind of with the, the relationship of those people is that's an experience that will be a part of us forever and a very unique experience that doesn't happen to many people. And so Although all of us have gone our separate, there's 10 of us in this car, all friends have gone our separate directions and where we live and work and all that kind of stuff. There is still that common bond and knowledge of, yo, like we went through this together and we survived. And I think it was even heightened, like in the moment and the days after it was, we just felt this like connectivity between us from this event that happened. I'm not sure how this event played a role in their lives individually. I've never actually had that conversation with them, which would be interesting to ask them because it's had such a profound you know, impact on the way I live and the way I help other people live. So that would be interesting. But I think for the general part of that group is, you know, we'll always have that moment of memory of, of what went down on March 22nd, 2013. Yeah, I just feel like something of that magnitude with a, a close-knit group would do one of two things, right? Either make you significantly closer mm -hmm. to the point where there's just a whole bunch more gratitude in general for so many things mm -hmm. or just scare the living shit out of you and nobody would ever drive with anybody again. Yeah, I think that the thing was with that situation is no one was doing anything unsafe. Right. At all. No, it was just a circumstance. Yeah, it was just an accident. You know, it's right. from my perspective, it seemed like there was a blind spot thing happening and he did a quick move to get out of the way because the big rig so big, it was going to cut him off. It was going to hit him. So, you know, instinct swerve. We just happened to be right next to him when he swerved. And I actually had like a moment 
before the accident took place, like a split second moment, I almost asked our driver just to slow down. No idea why. If he had slowed down, we wouldn't have been in the way of my friend swerving. However, looking into the deeper meaning and reasons of this thing, I think the reason why I got reluctant to let it out of my throat, you know, like that feeling you get when you want to say something, but it just can't pass right here and it just gets stuffed down. Hesitation. Yeah. I think the reason I hesitated was because I was actually supposed to go through that so I could learn these lessons. And if I didn't go through that, who knows, you know, if we'd be talking right now, right? who knows if I would have written this book, who knows if I would be writing another one. It's these moments that change the, the direction and, and organize what happens in our life. So that's an interesting part of the story for me to think about, wondering what would happen if I didn't say anything, yep. if it would have changed or maybe it wouldn't. But I was very aware during those, what felt like hours, but it was, you know, seconds how quickly it happened. But aware of what I was thinking, what I wanted to say, what I said out loud. I still remember all that kind of stuff. And then you would think something like this would like, for me at least, just cause a, a long fear of driving or big rigs. And while that kind of like persisted for a little bit, not driving, but being next to a big rig, sure. it hasn't really sustained itself. It'll come up when I'm driving. If I'm passing a big rig, I like personally to kind of get by them quicker, more quickly. And it's, I think it's, it's not that I'm afraid that I'm going to get hit, but now I'm more aware that I could be in this guy's blind spot, you know? And so it's, I don't have any fear from that accident anymore. I've worked through a lot of that kind of stuff, but there are still little bits and pieces that do play their, you know, their part in, in the way I live. Thanks for sharing that, man. Like, yeah. You're welcome. I, know. I always think circumstances like that provide us as humans a lot of depth if we take the time mm -hmm. to reflect and learn from them instead of just being in fear of yeah. the situation. Well, it's so easy just to stuff things down or push it under the rug because <laughs> that requires yeah. no work, you know? To that. Yeah, I agree. But when you do that, like, it's going to come up eventually in your life, yeah. one way or another. It's, it's going to revisit you. And the easiest way to heal something is when it's on the surface you know, when it happens. So I was lucky enough to kind of have that understanding. So it didn't play this negative role in my life and have been lucky enough to find the reason and the, the positive of it in a way that has helped me. It's a beautiful thing, right? To be able to embrace that. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Let's move on to authorship a little bit. How has authorship improved your communication? And do you intentionally work towards being better because of authorship, if that makes sense? Well, first off, communication is one of my top core values in life. So I think it's fitting that I'm using words in general to express myself. And you, well, let's take another step back. I know I'm here to use my voice. I'm also a singer and a musician. I do these speaking engagements, public speaking. And so communicating is very core to my existence, you know? And so I think becoming an author was an extension of that value. How can I communicate more of my message to other people? I don't think authorship is the thing that inspires me to be better. I think I'm inspired to be better because I know, kind of going back to that story, I know that I'm here for a limited amount of time and I want to make the most of the time. 
but also I think personal growth, work, or self-growth, whatever you want to call it, it's not just crucial for yourself, but it's also crucial for the people around you. And so I want to be a better person for my fiance. I want to be a better person for my parents and siblings and my in-laws. And I want to be a better person for the people I meet right here, you and I. Daily basis. I want to be a better person for my community. It's not just for me. And I think that's a really key thing to remember in any kind of growth period, whether it's personal growth or becoming a better agent, for example. You're not becoming a better agent for yourself. You're becoming a better agent for your clients. So you can serve serve them. Exactly. So now you have a better means of serving. And the way you impact the people around you doesn't stop at that person. And it's similar to the way you speak to people. You may say something to someone, a really kind comment, and that can inspire them to do something. And that can inspire them to do something. So if you show up as a better person or a better agent and serve the people around you better, that may give them a better sense of gratitude and feeling for the life they're living and the people they're interacting with, and then encourage them to do something. And now you're seeing this ripple effect of what happens when you work on yourself. So I think the inspiration is to be able to serve better in the world, to be honest. Because I think like the purpose of life at the very, very bare minimum is to experience life while serving others and representing your core values. And if you can do those things, like experience life, because we, ha- we're, we're, we have this amazing world around us with an environment that is so unfamiliar yet familiar, and we get to go and, and play in it and understand its inner workings. And, it, and I think we forget that we live in this natural world because of society and how it's kind of built it out. And so there's a lot of exciting things to experience that are just a part of the world. And I think that's important during our time here is to actually experience experience life as it is and all the things that make up life. And also like we're talking about serving others. Serving others, it just without a doubt provides you with a sense of meaning and gratitude. That's what you get in return. You know, you, you give the service and you receive the feeling of, of gratitude. And you should do all of that while representing what you value most in life, what's most important to you. So for example, communication is really important to me. So in the way I serve people, I'm really just on top of my communication game because it's important to me in general. It gives me a lot of value if I know I'm communicating what I want to communicate, whether it's a podcast or a text message or an email or a phone call or a FaceTime. Staying in touch and communicating with people is really important to me. And so I think if you do those three things like that, you'll just be able to feel more fulfilled and satisfied in life. I love that. I think it's beautiful. I think it's a beautiful way to live too, right? Be more receptive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be, be open and be willing to work open. on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like working on yourself can be fun. You know, it doesn't have to be this like, oh shit, I got to like do all this personal growth work. And yeah, I think there is a lot of beauty in it because you like you, you get, if you're open and in that kind of receiving mindset, you get so much back from it. And I think a lot of people in life are just so frustrated and stuck and they lack clarity and direction and they just aren't generally happy or satisfied or fulfilled with how they're living. And I think a lot of those feelings of happiness and fulfillment and satisfaction, like you get that 
when you work on yourself, because I, when you see yourself grow as an individual, that's a rewarding experience in itself. So I think personal growth work doesn't need to be seen as an assignment, let's put it that way. And a lot of people are stuck in defense mode instead of playing offense, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're willing to be honest and reflect and realize you're human and you're not perfect and we all mm-hmm. have things wrong with us, things we want to improve, while also having things we like and that we're proud of. But if you're open to that conversation with yourself, the only thing you can do is be better. And mm-hmm. that's a beautiful place to be. I 100% agree with that. I think, I think we're all broken in one way or another. 100%, man. And I think owning up to that is very powerful. And, and that's kind of what you're saying is yeah. giving yourself the permission to be okay with being imperfect is pretty life-changing. And then you start to realize imperfections, they're not a bad thing. You know, it's a part of being human, but it gives you something to improve on, to feel, try to like do some work around so you feel good about that area that maybe you felt a little bit more weak. And you can actually improve these weaknesses and imperfections up so they're not how they originally felt when you first identified them. I love it. Jordan, I think that what we've talked about has given people a great inside look at to what your book is actually about. You know, you deserve mm-hmm. this shit. Where, so, hey, I want to talk about where people can find you and where they can get the book. But then I have yeah. a list of questions. And these questions, you know, I listened to Brendan Bouchard, Lewis Howes, Jay Shetty, mm-hmm. Ed Milet, all these different guys. Yeah. And so I take their questions and I think about them and I make my own version of some of them, right? So I want to throw some of these at cool. you. But first and foremost, where can people find you and buy the book? TikTok and Instagram is at Jordan Tarver. You can also visit my website, jordantarver.com. You can sign up for my newsletter. The book is on Amazon. You can either go straight to Amazon or you can go to my website. Also, through my TikTok and Instagram profiles, there's the link in bio has a bunch of buttons that will direct you to all the things that you're looking for. So yeah, come see what up. All right. Talk about a couple of things. If you could put only one law in place, what would it be? Kindness. I love it. Quick to the answer too. Been thought about. (laughs) What is your must read book? I'm looking back at my, I mean, one book that I recommend to everyone is The Compound Effect. It's, It's one of the earliest books I read. Fantastic book. Yeah. And it's so simple, but it teaches you a very profound lesson in life. And I think that's something that people get a lot of from both in their personal life, but also it teaches you a lot about business. So I think it's a good like cap- mm-hmm. it's a good catch all of of yeah. just a, a good topic. What's the best advice you've ever received? Indirectly, I received there's no such thing as this is how it's done. And I think that gives you permission to create your own wave. What's the worst advice you've ever been given? Do it this way. <laughs> the opposite of it. I love it. Right. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Last and final question, where's your emotional home and how do you get back there if you're lost? What do you, describe emotional home a little bit. How do you get back to neutral? Does that make sense? Yeah, do you mean like coming off a high or coming off a low? One really big thing in my life is nature. I actually came up as a travel photographer. So before I did any of the self-improvement work, if you go back on my Instagram like four years ago, it's a travel inspo page. I only used to share 
you know, outdoor photography. So nature has been rooted in my existence. I mean, even I grew up camping with my family. So I've been camping since I was the day I was born. And it still is, it plays that same role to this day. And I, I hold a very high importance of it. And it just is, and it, I do it for pure joy. I don't do photography anymore for money. I do it purely for joy and passion. And just even going out in nature, like on a trail, it just, it just centers myself. And it just brings me back to that neutral state because it reconnects me back to the thing about society building out na- nature. It reconnects me to the the earth, like the, the true earth and soil, like as simple as that sounds and as silly as it may sound for some people, like going out and like being in the trees and touching the soil and like seeing a waterfall brings you back to the present moment that we are just on this planet of nature. And if I can get into nature more often, luckily I live in the Pacific Northwest. So it's very easy for me. <laughs> it doesn't take going very far to be in nature. Even our neighborhood, you know, it's just like there's trees and plants and it's surrounding us. If I can do that more often, I, I feel more grounded and present within my life. And so like when I'm not feeling grounded or if I'm having a crazy week or if I'm feeling uninspired, I feel like nature is like a mental shower for me. And that is really like kind of something I've leaned, leaned into more and more as I get older. I love it. It's the like literal sense of being grounded. Yeah. Go touch the earth. Yep. Jordan, this has been awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing your story, sharing your book. Guys, go buy the book. I cannot recommend it enough. It's a good place to dissect yourself. Thanks for having me. It was a really fun conversation. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Thank you for listening to the Agent Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by You Sell It, the number one do-it-yourself real estate photo app for incredible professional results. Hey guys, it's Ray. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks so much for being here and we'll see you on the next one.